Welcome to the Doghouse. I'm Diana. And I'm David. It's Riverdale Season 4, Episode 13, Chapter 70, The Ides of March. Worried about what the future may hold for him after high school, Archie seeks advice from an unlikely source, Hiram Lodge. And I'm a TV genius. <laughs> I'm a TV genius. Good, good for you. I am, so there you go. Uh, so this episode kind of turned the season, this part of the season around for me a little bit. Maybe. Like, all the stuff that doesn't have to do with, like, Jughead's death, I don't give two shits about. Well, yeah. Like, if it's not about this mystery, I don't care. But the mystery is going very well. Uh, I don't trust them. I don't trust them at all. But it's holding my interest. I am enjoying the puzzle. I'm not unpleased. But I'm not excited. Here's the thing. They currently have more of a plan than I suspected them to have had. (laughs) I will reserve judgment on that front. We start this episode with Monday, and we have a Jughead narration. The week started like any other. Who would have guessed where I'd end up by the end? (laughs) Which, Which we know the end is him. He's dead. Yeah. And we see Archie is waking up at 4.45. He's getting coffee. There's a post-it. Love you, mom. My dude, that is too early for a growing boy. He's delivering Pop's donuts at Andrew's construction. And then he's going to the gym and getting coffee there. He's thanking Miss Moore for watching the center during the day. And she's, you know, saying, you know, hey, you helped my baby Monroe get into Notre Dame. This is the least I can do. And Archie assures him that He'll be back after school after he checks in on Andrew's construction. And she makes a comment that he must have colleges knocking down his door. Oof. To which Archie just kind of makes that pained face, which like, we know. Uh-uh. Gut punch. So he heads on over to Honey's office. He wants to know if there's any way he can still apply to college. And Honey just is just, he's not beating around the bush. Application period closed months ago. And based on your grades from the last two years... I doubt you're going to be able to graduate with your class. And Archie is just like, okay, well, can I walk with my friends at the ceremony? To which honey, (laughs) being honey, as I find the notion of an undeserving student being allowed to walk with his peers without fulfilling the basic requirements to graduate, quite absurd. It is dishonest and it is a hollow gesture. Wouldn't you agree, Mr. Andrews? Just say no. Like, I mean, okay, like this is a completely true statement. It is. It's completely hollow. It is absurd to let a student who has not earned the right to graduate to let them walk. I get that. But why but, do you have to twist the knife no, no, into Archie? But, but here's the thing. This is a student who's had a shitty fucking year. He's lost yeah. his father. It's the, the statement he's making is cruel. There's no reason for it. No. And I mean, honey is just cruel by nature. And I would say the same thing if he said this to Cheryl, who has also had a shitty year. She's a shitty human being. But (laughs) but by the same token, you you just don't need to be this way. No, just say no to Archie. That's all you need to do. Yeah, just just no, bud. No, no. (laughs) So we cut over to the Pembroke and Hiram is struggling with his cup of coffee or tea and he drops it and uh, he spills it everywhere he's he's screaming damn it and then veronica is like oh daddy you know let me help you and he gets really mad he's like i got it i don't need your help so veronica starts screaming no of course not which is why i'll never offer you help ever again what the fuck is this it's the it's the shame he doesn't want anyone to know that he's sick 
Oh, no. She offered him help as though he was sick. And she's supposed to be in a feud with him. She shouldn't be offering him help. So she overcorrected. That's what that is. Well, it's shitty writing, but that's what that is. No, I mean, I get why he's pissed. That makes sense. Yeah. Because people who aren't the worst people get pissed about that stuff. They they want to figure it out yeah. on their own terms and be under their own power. Yeah. My thing is, Veronica immediately throws a tantrum. No, for her, it's an overcorrection. She's supposed to be in a feud with her father. She 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 wasn't. She's not supposed to know that he's sick, so she shouldn't be offering him help. I don't know. So it's an overcorrection. I don't disagree with your statement, but I don't think they were thinking that when they wrote these lines. Uh, I also want to point out that Hermione and Hermosa are wearing the same color. They're both wearing a dark forest green. I'm going to put a pin in that because I have a theory. Oh. I have a theory about what's going on here. Oh, and I'm, we're not going to pretend that as of the recording of this, the news has already come out about Ski Ulrich and Marcel Nichols and that they will not be returning after season four. So that plays into my theory as well. So yeah. Veronica goes directly to school. She sees Archie playing guitar and she jumps him. Yeah. Like instantly. We also introduce Veronica is wearing a pearl bracelet. I don't think we've ever seen that before. So uh, yeah, they hook up. She's just all like, uh, thanks for the early morning delight lover. Oh, gross. <laughs> gross. who talks uh, like that? Uh, horny teenager who's trying to fuck the pain away. Uh, and Arch is just going, I'm not complaining, but what's the occasion? And Veronica just says, you know, I, we don't have a lot of time left together, so I don't want to think about the future. Let's just enjoy these last few months in Riverdale. I just want to have fun. Can we do that? Arch says, that's music to my ears. <laughs> okay. Right, let's, let's just do what we do best. This whole scene is just so fucking weird. It's no, it, it does make sense. It makes sense. But it is weird in how they did it. Oh, it's it's written horribly. Veronica's Ron- trying to cope. That's it. Yeah, I just, I, just- I, I, didn't, I didn't buy it. And part of the problem is Camilla. Camilla does not sell me on any of this. No, no, it's it's just bad all around. Uh, we cut over to Stonewall and DuPont is summoned. Forsyth, you rang. I won't mince words. You're out of the quill and skull. Why? Because Betty broke into the Sanctum Sanctorium. Nice reference. That, and you're, it's a violation of our code. Also, we're terminating your Baxter contract for failure to deliver satisfactory material by March 15th. This Friday? As in the Ides of March? Well, it's only Monday. I have time. And DuPont says, your rejected novel took you months to write. What makes you think you could write an entirely new one in five days? To which Jughead goes, watch me. <laughs> cut directly to him on a payphone saying hey how long will it take you to get here i need my real life tracy true cut to betty's in his room okay we gotta do this i gotta get this done by the ides of march which they actually celebrate here which okay they name this episode the ides of march they talk about the fact that they celebrate the ides of march at no point in this episode do they explain what the ides of march is so and I did not actually know, so I'm going to tell you. Wait, have you never read Julius Caesar? I have read Julius Caesar, but that was um, in high school, which was almost 20 years ago. I'm me. just saying, the so, Ides of March is a big deal in that play. Because I'm old as fuck. Ides of March is when Julius Caesar was murdered. Yes. Okay. Ides of March also refers to the day when debt is collected. Ah. So, so 
that's when Julius Caesar was, that's when his debt got collected. So, so that's what that refers to. That's why it's celebrated. That's why Brett's wearing what he's wearing. But at no point in this show do they actually explain that to you, which I think is a huge swing and a miss for a show that's aimed at high school students. So, Because if you have not read Julius Caesar, or it's been a hot minute, as it has been for me... <laughs> I didn't know about the debt collection, though. I think yeah. that might have been discussed somewhere in the symbolism and English discussions, but I forgot about that part. But you would have think there should have been. It's absurd that there were not two or three lines. I don't give absurdity to anything on this show anymore because it doesn't shock me. It doesn't shock me when they're lazy about a premise no, like no. that. I'm, here's the thing. The fact that they double down on re saying that they're going to celebrate it, they keep referencing it, and they don't explain it is what makes me mad about it. I'm fine with it being the title. I'm fine with, with Brett wearing the costume at the stupid fucking party because it's just an excuse for a party, but they never explain it because there's this layer that makes all of this that much more meaningful and cool, but you don't get any of that if you don't explain it. Some producer in the room told them, well, you don't need this as part of the episode. Let's cut that. No, you shouldn't have cut that. <sighs> so, but he's like, hey, write what's happening here. Sure, we're going to start with Moose's arrival. Great. That's brilliant. Let's do that. You dorks. Yeah, well, that makes sense. They're particularly dorky in this one scene, which yeah. is fun and cute, but they're dorks. Yeah. Uh, we go over to the gym and Hiram has shown up. And Hiram's like, hey, I like what you're doing with the place. I just like, why are you here? I'm here to work out. Don't you have a nice gym at the Pembroke? And aren't you a member of Solstice? Solstice. Yeah. Love what it. a good joke. That's a very good joke. I'm just like, you know, I, I, I've come to work out. I've spent too much time in suits and behind desks. No more, no more weakness. And Archie's like, fine, make a check out to Frank Andrews Community Center. And Hiram winces. Yeah. Cut on over to Jughead. He's reading in class. He's reading from this new story, which is just so dripping with blah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's Brick Bridge Prep, Mr. Shepherd. The perfect victim to the perfect murder. And, you know, DuPont's like, Mr. Jones, 10 pages of autobiographical hokum won't save you. And Jughead's like, well, just you wait. I'll have more tomorrow. Riverdale. Yeah. <laughs> but I appreciate the chutzpah with which uh, Cole Sprouse delivers it. That's true. Like, he's committed. He's very committed to all of it. And uh, it's very entertaining. You've got to be if it's going to be this badly written. True. Uh, we go to the Maple Club. Ellie's essential oils don't hate, alleviate. Gross. Oh, she has code names. Yeah, she does. <laughs> so apparently there's a high roller out in Le Bon Nuit who's caught wind of the Maple Club and wields a blank check with our name on it. So Cheryl wants Tony to figure out who this person is. And apparently she's got frosty hair and she'll be at the bar later tonight. Lay, uh -huh. on, lay on the charm. And Tony's like, all right, cool. And so later that night, we see Hermosa, and she is wearing the exact same type of blonde wig that Veronica wears whenever she's pretending to be Monica, <laughs> which is hilarious. I fucking love this because she is Hiram's daughter. I love it. It's, it's so cheesy and stupid, and it's just like, 
y'all may have different moms, but y'all are both Hiram's daughter. <laughs> like, some shit shows up in that DNA in the weirdest way. It's great. Wearing blonde wigs to disguise yourself from people. Yeah, and so she shows up and she's like, I'm Rosa Hevon, and she's a connoisseur of rum, and, you know, I've heard about this secret rum bar, and she's intrigued. And Tony says, great. Um, I like your vibe. Let me talk to my partner about it. Come back tomorrow night. It's a date. And then we see Archie and Ronnie and they're date. They're dancing. It's very. They're having a great time. And then she's like, "Oh, that was so much fun." And Archie's like, "Yeah, but I got to be at the site by five tomorrow." Veronica's like, "I thought we were gonna have fun." And Archie's like, "Good night, Veronica. I'll see you tomorrow." And she says, "Fine." And she pulls out a flask. Okay, drunky. Drunky McDrunkerson. Okay. Good God. We cut over to the Stonewall classroom the next day. And Jughead's reading again. It's all Hallow's Eve at Brick Ridge Prep, and Jarhead is burning the midnight oil studying. And he's locked in a solid oak coffin. Blah, 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 blah. I'm sorry, he's a good writer? Yeah. <laughs> His roommate, Bison. Uh, Admit it, you guys are on the edge of your seats, aren't you? No, we're no. not. We go back to the gym, and Archie is spotting for Hiram. And he's like, can I ask you something? It's actually a business question. And Hiram's like, really? Interesting. Shoot. Uh, I'm not as good as your daughter. I can't run multiple businesses and do well in school. <laughs> and Hiram says, you're talking about this place and Andrew's construction. Have you thought about shutting one? And Archie says, yeah, my grandpa already founded Andrew's construction and passed it down to my dad. It's my legacy. And Hiram points out, you know, well, both your businesses bear your father's name. You'll be keeping his legacy alive no matter what. And that's a fair point. Like, Archie's again, I'm a genius. This whole thing is about legacy. Fucking legacy. This whole goddamn <laughs> I fucking called it day goddamn one. Well, they they did bludgeon us over the head with it in that first episode. Yeah, but how often do they actually keep it up? But they have been consistent with that being something that they have kept with all four core. <sighs> the core four have all four of them, that has been a through line for the entire season. If only they could keep that up in other areas of the story. Like, if they could only do it without being horrible. So we cut on over to Pops, and Archie's talking to Keller. He's talking about, you know, Vic offered to buy Andrew's construction a few times, and he, I don't like him, but my dad does. And if I sold it, I could use that money to pay you a proper salary to run the center full time if that's something you'd be interested in. And Tom is like, you know, I've been hopping from job to job since I lost my post of sheriff and a more permanent gig would be a nice change of pace. And yeah, I'd like that, Arch. And so that's cool. It's great. Hiram gives good advice here. Well, Hiram's just like, you know, whichever one you decide to shut down, you're honoring your dad. It doesn't matter. And both are viable options. You just got to pick one, kid. I really wish he'd have just sold the construction firm. I understand why it doesn't happen. I understand the logic there. But there's a part of me that goes, can we take one thing off of Archie's plate so he can be functional? This is where, why isn't your mom fucking doing this? I mean, do you want the, the unsatisfying answer or do we want to speculate? I, I don't give a fuck. Like, I just don't care. I know. it's it. There's no satisfying or reasonable answer. No, I mean, for me, it's it's simply just I, they don't want to keep paying Molly Ringwald. I don't think she's available. That too. I think that's really more of it. And they, wanna, they want to pull Archie in all these different directions. 
Because the logical thing is that Mary should be the one who's trying to figure out how to keep Andrew's construction going. And Archie's the one who keeps saying, we got to keep it going for dad. We got to keep going for dad. And what I would have really liked is Mary being like, Archie, we got to sell it. We got to sell it. And she's trying to keep it going. And Archie finally being like, we can let it go. Because, Because I'm keeping dad's legacy alive in my own way. Like that would be the thing to do it. That's that's how to do it. All right. So we go back to Stonewall and everybody in the Phil and Skull has been summoned. And now apparently they've been accused of the worst crime a writer can commit. Plagiarism. Oh, oh the, the horror. Apparently the story that Mr. Jones wrote on feathered wings was in fact written by another student in the seminar. Jughead's like, let me guess who accused me. It was Brett. And Jonathan says, no, it was me. Jughead's like, why? Because I wrote on Featherless Wings. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. I've got a timestamp on my computer proving it that I wrote it two months ago. And of course, okay, here comes that whole thing about the fucking computer. Duh. (laughs) Jughead says, no, it's on my computer. The story to which Brett's like, the story you wrote last summer is on the laptop I gave you three weeks ago. And Brett and Donna make those faces at each other. So we know this was all very well planned. Well, it's like they thought, not Brett and Donna, but the writers thought, oh, we've we've masterfully woven this mystery. And we're like, we called this the second you did it. Yeah. Like, stop pretending like this this is some great reveal. Yeah. So Jagga says, I'm going to go back to my room and get it. He goes to his room. It's not in there, of course. He goes down to the dungeon, and it's not in the little secret hidey hole place. Shocking. And so he goes back to the classroom. Where's this magical exonerating laptop? It's not here because someone stole it. (laughs) Mr. DuPont, I'm going to fight these accusations tooth and nail. Well, you had better. Stonewall Prep takes crime and plagiarism very seriously. As such, you will go before the headmaster and the disciplinary committee on Friday on the Ides of March, fittingly enough. Barf. Barf, barf. Barf, barf. (laughs) You know what? I like the mystery, but it is so contrived. It's very contrived. That That's the annoying strain under this episode. The thing that irks me. We go over to the Not Cooper house Thursday, and it's FP, Betty, Jughead, and Mr. DuPont is turning out to be worse than any of the villains in his precious Baxter Brothers series. It's clear he wants to be expelled. FP is freaking out. You can't let your name be tarnished by these, these trust fund brats. Hell, it's my name. It's our family name. And Jughead just like, if I let my reputation be destroyed by a baseless accusation, my career as a writer is going to be over before it even begins. But he says, there's no way that's happening, Jug. I think I have an idea. Okay. Which is always dangerous. Yep. We go over to the doghouse. Hey! And Kevin is whining over a very difficult test. We've got Veronica and Archie and Tony and Cheryl, and they're all hanging out. Mr. Honey comes in. Lodge during a routine search, I found this flask of rum in your locker. Veronica calls him Principal Mussolini. Which, again, why zero to 60? Because she's a drunk right now. Apparently. Uh, Mr. Honey says, How do you think Barnard will uh, react when they hear about this incident? The recruiter already saw me drinking at my spinkies. They're not a bunch of prissy power tripping asshats, which, true. <laughs> Archie gets up and says, you don't have to protect me. It's mine. And Tony and Cheryl are all very like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. Because they're all fucking dumb. All three of these girls are being crazy fucking reckless. 
Uh-huh. They really, truly are. Archie's saving their ass. And Archie just says, hey, I'm sorry. The lock on my locker broke. I know Veronica's combination. So I stashed the flask. And Honey's like, this is yours. And he's like, yeah, it's been a rough year, sir, you know. So I just need something to take the edge off. <laughs> Which, okay, like... Archie's not wrong. Like, I, this is totally believable. Yes, but are you a middle-aged man? No, he's a I dumb. Gotta, I gotta take the edge off he's sometimes. A, he's a dumb teenager, and it's a believable lie. So <laughs> points Archie for coming up that quick. And like, and he sells it later. It's like, I've got nothing to lose. So Well, he doesn't. Like, it's totally fair. Like, this is the one time where, Archie, you're dumb, but you're playing it to your advantage right now. So Honey gives him a week detention, and he's gonna have to call his mother. So. <laughs> and I love that Archie's like, fine. I, sure. I understand. And then he's gonna <laughs> then he's gonna tell Mary later what happened, be like, okay, Arch. <laughs> Whatever. Like, Mom, I have bigger problems. I don't care. Uh, we go back over to Stonewall and Betty's there with a polygraph. So the Stonies come in. Jones and Betty, what do we owe the pleasure? Okay, we know Jonathan's lying, and we know that one or all of you stole my laptop and are conspiring against me. So we're here to prove it. And Jonathan's like, well, I refuse to participate in the charade. Because the second I saw the word charade on the screen, I knew he was going to say it, charade. Charade. Because because of course he is. So Betty's asking Jughead questions and Donna comes in and she's just like, I hate to break it to you, sweetie, but this isn't going to prove Jughead's innocence. And Betty comes around and she's like, do you think I don't know that bitch? (laughs) Which I love. This lie detector test is only the beginning. Once we're done. With all of you one percenters, none of you will be left standing. So Betty's just like, I'm not scared of any of y'all. I mean, yeah, I just don't understand the point of the lie detector test. It's kind of a game of chicken. It's supposed to be an intimidation tactic, but it's not intimidating. Well, it it's a game of chicken between Betty and Jughead and Donna and Brett. Yeah. Because I- those those are the real players here. We cut over to Archie's in detention and Veronica comes in. She's like, hey, handsome. And she's, you know, being all sweet and and uh, kissy and she's trying to get it on. And Archie's like, uh, no. <laughs> like, Dr. Beaker could be here. What's going on with you? This this isn't you. She's like, nothing. We made a vow that we would make the most of our time together. Now, clearly, you're backing out of your deal. So it's fine. If you don't want to have fun, then I'll just go have fun by myself. What? And Archie's just like, Ronnie, she's like, I have to meet Cheryl and Tony anyway. And she goes. And then he just has Archie confused face. Like, I, uh, uh, what did I do? Like, no, I want the sex, but I want to understand what's going on. The sex is nice, but you're I, being weird. I want to know why the sex. <laughs> I'm suspicious of the sex, which is fair. <laughs> we go over to the Maple Club. And Hermosa's there again, and she's there to flirt with Tony, and they're dancing, and then Cheryl comes along, and they're dancing, and it's really fucking gross, because they make it seem like they're going to go have a threesome. And then we see Veronica's at a bar, and she's drinking, and she's like, okay, hey, go make the suite ready. And then we cut over to the suite where they're going to have their fake threesome. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, the lights come on. Hermosa, Veronica, what are you doing here? It's an abscondum, my darling half-sister. We knew who you were the second you showed up. Did you really think we were going to expose you to our rum operation? Hermosa, like, takes off her wig and is like, you, I have no idea what you're talking about, Hermana. 
Like she's trying to like pretend like no. Why? Why would you try to pretend at this point? And so like then Veronica's like the gall you have coming to town trying to ruin our business, my livelihood. I bet daddy put you up to this, didn't you? Do a little recon, scope out the competition. Well, I don't know what he's told you about his condition, to which Hermosa says everything. He also told me you didn't know. To which Veronica's like, he told you and not me. He trusted you and not me. To which Hermosa looks at her and says, can you blame him? And she's got her. She's got her. Veronica's a fucking mess. And you're a child. <laughs> and you behave like a fucking child. Veronica throws the wig at Hermosa. Of course he's going to tell her and not you. Because this is your reaction to things. You're drinking at school. You're <laughs> fucking your boyfriend at school. <laughs> Methinks you have some maturing to do, my darling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but so um fake threesome trap aside, I love this. Oh. I love the battle of the sisters because it's different and we should have been using Armosa all along. That's my problem, is we did it and I'm like, where was this for the past six episodes? Nowhere, because they forgot about her. <laughs> We go over to Stonewall and Jughead and Betty go into Donna and Joan's room with Bobby Pan and they're trying to find stuff and they're looking around and then they go into the Skull and Quill room and they don't find anything. And then they go into the classroom and they go into the desk and they find the manuscript marked ready for print and it's called The Boy in the River. It's like, wait, this is the novel I submitted to win the Baxter Brothers contract about Jason Blossom. Yeah. DuPont told me that the Baxter Brotherhood rejected it because it wasn't dark or sociopathic enough. And so Jughead's looking through it. It's definitely been rewritten, but this is my book. So we cut to Jughead throwing the book down and confronting DuPont. J'accuse, jump cut. J'accuse. Uh, and he's just like, I thought the Brotherhood didn't want my boy in the river novel. We didn't, and we don't. Then what the hell is this? Like, do you think I don't recognize my own story even after someone did a polish on it? And DuPont's like, oh, you really should have had a lawyer take a much closer look at that contract of yours, Mr. Jones. You see, the Brotherhood owns everything you submit. We keep the elements we like and then let other ghostwriters try their hand at it. And Jughead's like, who? Oh, well, actually, all of your classmates collaborated on it. Oh, fuck. <laughs> that fucking sucks. I mean, duh, though. Yeah, it makes total sense. Everything in the back of my mind is like, you have to be phenomenally oblivious to not have parsed this together like to not have suspected that the other ones were working on this in some degree in some way they had their hand on it dupont lied to you <gasps> i i i am flabbergasted i am vexed like even after we got that new information from grandpappy from forsyth the first you still knew he was duplicitous he was never doing any everything above board I feel like they are throwing red herrings here, uh huh. because we'll talk about it when we get to the end. It's misdirection. But the misdirection is so bad because there's no winking and nodding. There's no subtle hints to suggest anything. They are playing it so straight mm -hmm. as though they actually didn't think any of this was going on. And if they come back around and reverse a bunch of this stuff and mm -hmm. like Ocean's Eleven put it all together, mm -hmm. it's going to be bullshit because it wasn't believable. Mm -hmm. We go over to the Pembroke and Archie has shown up to check on Veronica and he's just like, 
what are you doing? You're drinking at school. You're acting like crazy party girl. You're pushing people away, Veronica. Tell me what's going on. And Veronica says, my dad's dying. He's been diagnosed with a debilitating disease and I don't know what to do. I'm completely lost. So Archie says, value the time you have. I didn't get to say goodbye to my dad. Welcome to Archie's words of generic wisdom. Yeah. You have to give him some of the strength to your dad. You know better than anyone how to get him fired up. And that's what he needs. Ar- I realized Archie's words of wisdom. Aww. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> is, is this what Hiram needs? Is it? Mm-hmm. I don't know. We cut to the very next morning. Veronica walks in with a presentation. Happy Friday, you soul-sucking vampires. <laughs> like, she's ready to say, fuck you, everybody. The energy is fun, but I don't get it. So basically, their rum is called Red Ravens. She's got their new ad campaign. Basically, how it's way better than Lodge Rum and Lodge Spiced Rum, and they're taking huge ad campaign in Riverdale Register, the Greendale Gazette, and the Seaside Sentinel. Hiram's just like, "Do you really think you'll get the upper hand over me? You're a specialty brand. Oh, haven't you heard? Cheryl's already begun renovations on her family's maple factory. We'll be producing 300% more maple rum by the end of the year." And Hiram's just like, "Oh, well, then I only have one thing to say. Congratulations, to me, huh? You've successfully awoken." the dragon prepare to be eaten and so he gets up and he leaves weird line uh, yeah it's really weird so then hermione and Hermosa are just sitting there mouth agape like what is wrong with you why would you intentionally provoke him you know how ill he is it's times like these that family members should be supporting each other not antagonizing one another and veronica just looks at them like it seems to me that daddy's doing just fine just one minor ad campaign and he's more fired up than he has been in days. So don't think for a second that you understand daddy better than me. And so like, basically she's just like, you're treating him like he's sick and I'm treating him like he's fine. And now he's all fired up. Okay. So this is my theory, which I think I I don't remember if I've said previously on a podcast or if I talked to you, I believe one of them is poisoning him. One of one of them is the reasons that he is sick. I don't know which one. I don't really care. And Hermione, I've I've said at the beginning of the season, I don't think Hermione's making it out alive. Now that we know that Marisol Nichols is leaving, and it, I it based on her public statement, it doesn't sound like it was her choice to leave. So I think they're killing her off, which I'm totally fine with. I don't care how she dies, but I think one of the two of them is poisoning Hiram. What if it's both? I'm fine with that too, and I think. We're going to find out that whatever is Hiram's personal bottle of rum is going to be the source of what is poisoning him. Because poetic, of course. <laughs> that's how. That's what it's going to be. We go over to Betty's room and we're looking at her murder board. And she's like, hey, you know, I've been thinking about Chipping's tie pin jug and how Donna had it. It doesn't add up. If the affair with Chipping was just another one of Donna's fabricated stories, then how did she get it? And so like, Jughead's like, okay, okay, Betty, like, what, what you talking about? Let's assume someone else took Chipping's tie pen, like DuPont, and he gave it to Donna to add credibility to her story about them having the affair, that if she could have the tie pen in case someone got too close to the truth. They're like, they're trying to like piece all of the stuff together. So Betty decides she's going to go meet with Donna at Pops. Because this will be fruitful. Sure. It's like, I wanted to clear the air between us, Donna, and hopefully resolve this whole Jughead witch hunt thing, but just the two of us. See, I think that you and Brett, Joan, and Jonathan are just pawns being manipulated by Mr. DuPont, who I think is the real villain here. So you're going to meet with someone who you obviously think is a psychopath, and you're going to tell her your entire theory (laughs) that you needed to stay in FBI school longer, Betty. 
uh, it is so frustrating to see the slow decline of Betty Cooper over the course of these four seasons. You, you just you've made her stupider because you you let her think she was the smartest thing around. Like by season two, she was legitimately awesome at sleuthing. The only thing I like about this, essentially, she's met her match in Donna. I like that to this degree because Donna is unfazed by her. Because Donna just looks at her and is like, you think you're close to the truth, don't you? You and Jughead, teen detectives. And Betty's like, are we? And Donna just gets up, takes a bit of the the whipped cream off of her milkshake and is like, I guess we'll see. And she leaves. It's so malicious and evil in a very delicious way. Like for all the faults of Donna's character, and I don't like the lying about an affair and abuse and all of that. She's a very fun character. I mean, it is, but they've given us no reason to have that feeling about these two. There's no rivalry built up between the two at all until this moment. Yes, but this moment is fun. (sighs) Yeah, we're going to go to a dorm room when Jughead's working and he's like still working on that book. And I hope you enjoy your last night in this room. You are so smug it hurts, Brett. (laughs) Jughead just says, I'm going to spill all of the shit about you and about my novel, blah, 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 blah. Brett says, hey, guess what? I have a tape of you in Ponytail. <gasps> and if you say a single thing, you, you utter a single jacuse, I release it wide. Which is gross because this is a felony because this is a child pornography charge. <laughs> that's what that is. <laughs> like, <laughs> just going to say this. That's what that fucking is. Wow. I didn't think about that. Every single one of those child pornography charges. Yeah, Thank you. a little bit. Thank you. <sighs> and Jughead's like, you think the blackmail is going to stop me? And Brett's like, yes, because you're a hopeless romantic. Because that tape might not hurt you, but it'll destroy Betty. Which, Brett's not wrong. That That's how Jughead would, would feel about that. Yeah. It's like something like that will haunt her for the rest of her life. So what's it going to be? You want to continue this sad attempt at martyrdom? Or do you want to protect the honor of your precious girlfriend? These are clumsily done, but what Donna and Brett do that is incredibly important in this moment Mm -hmm. is they call Betty and Jughead's bluff. They did their homework on who their adversaries are. Yes. And Jughead and Betty did underestimate them because they got too fucking big for their britches. That is why I do enjoy them because of this whole fucking show, it's all King Jughead and Queen Betty. Yeah. They're King shit fuck mountain like that's what it is that's what this fucking show is and now we've got brett and donner's like fuck both of you we're gonna murder jughead we're gonna murder jughead we're gonna frame betty for it that's what we're gonna do yeah that's essentially what's gonna happen i kind of love that (laughs) kind of love it come up it's because y'all are jackasses it's just had they actually played this out well well, it could have been really cool, but... If we didn't have all this bullshit around everything else. We're at Andrew's construction, and Archie's signing papers, and then he starts to hesitate. Wait, something wrong, Arch? I can't do it. And Vic's like, what the hell? Well, Vic, my grandpa started this company, and my dad kept it going. It's not going to be sold on my watch. Which, like, this is just fucking stupid. This is where I have a problem with this storyline. Mm-hmm. It's like, the story itself is not a bad idea mm-hmm. to... Now get into something tangible Mm -hmm. about his dad's legacy. Because until this point, it's all been about his emotional state. Yeah. But Frank's gone. Bunch of shit went down. Mm -hmm. And now he's feeling more of just the day-to-day real pressure of what that means. Yeah. Here's a tangible thing. Mm -hmm. And instead of 
resolving that. Yeah. You just let it hang out to dry again. Yeah, you just kept it. Like, that's why I went, he should have just sold it here. Yeah. Because it would have given him some kind of closure. It would have taken one thing off his plate. So now his energy can be focused on some other plot. No, what like what what they could have also done was they should have signed it over and, and Vic could have been like, if it's okay with you, I would like to keep it Andrew's construction or something like that so that Archie could feel like his dad's legacy was still there. Like, just do do the little hallmark bow around the fucking thing so that you can have Archie have a little bit of closure and feel good about it. We're at Stonewall. Jack's making a snarly face. We're at the disciplinary committee. Mm -hmm. And basically they say you can withdraw quietly and save yourself embarrassment or you can go through all of this public forum crap. And Jughead says, I'll leave. And FP is just devastated. Betty is very suspicious. And Brett and Donna are thrilled. And so they walk out of the room. And FP's like, what the hell happened? I thought you were going to bring down the temple. And instead you let them run roughshod over you. And Jughead's like, I didn't have a choice. It's not like you walk away from a fight. You could have won. Like, you don't know these people. The game is fixed. It's been fixed from the beginning. And like FP's like really upset about all this. So we cut over to the gym. And Archie is hanging the Andrews construction sign inside his office. And he's polishing it. And Hiram comes in. And he's like, oh, they let you keep the sign. And Archie says, I didn't end up selling the company. I couldn't. I made Mr. Keller the foreman. He said he'd work out a reduced salary until we could get a few more contracts coming in. And Harm says, good, good. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Cut on over to Jughead, and he's packing up all his stuff from his room. And Betty comes in. She's like, it was a sex tape, wasn't it? <laughs> Brett threatened to release it if he didn't back off. Betty's not dumb. <laughs> no. Like, what does it matter, Betty? To hell with Brett. To hell with this entire school. Then Donna and Brett come in. Like, couldn't have been all bad, Forsyth. Yeah, we hope there aren't any hard feelings. Oh, God. And they're like, there's a party tonight. We're celebrating the Ides of March. You should come. One last hurrah before you pack up your things and are gone forever. You're deranged. We'll be there. <laughs> and Betty's like, what? <laughs> Great. Bring your friends, too. The more the merrier. But Jughead has jug eyes. He's got crazy jug he, eyes. He has determined eyes. Uh-huh. And so Donna and Brett leave. And Betty's like, like, hell, we're going to that. You trust me, right? Of course. Why? <laughs> I have a plan, but first I'm going to need to take care of that leverage that Brett has over us, and then I will tell you everything. It's going to be okay, I promise, okay? I love you. I love you too. Kissy face. Uh Uh-oh. Archie's room, (laughs) post-sex. Archie tells Veronica, I won't be able to walk with everyone at graduation. Mr. Honey told me on Monday, but I have a plan. Veronica's like, okay, I'll go to summer school for my diploma. I'll take a skip year, apply for colleges for a spring semester. What do you think? I think that's an outstanding plan, Archie. Yay. Like, that's an actual plan. Thank you, Archie. Like, like you need a break, too. You need to graduate, but you also need a break. You need to do some nothing. Could you have sold the construction business? Sure. Sure. Phone rings or beeps because nobody calls anybody. It's B. She's inviting us to a Stonewall party. You want to go? Seriously? Those people suck. Hi, Hi, Ryder. (laughs) Right, you are. Right, you are, Archie Kins. But it's the last time all four of us hung out together. And we did vow to have more fun. Okay. And so we cut back over to the Stonewall dorm. And we see Jughead. He's got a, his South Side shirt on. We see him put on a serpent jacket. It looks like he has a neck tattoo, but I think it's just his hair. Well, he has all of his stuff laid out on his bed. Yeah. And then 
we see his got a switchblade knife and then we see him grab the bunny mask that they had hit Brett with. <sighs> Something is going on here with him. It is. And so we cut over to the party and Veronica and Archie have shown up. Oh, God, it looks like Midsummer Night's Dream had a baby with Euphoria, which is exactly the aesthetic. <laughs> if you've watched the show Euphoria, which is a rough show, it is an amazing show on HBO, but it is hard. It is very, very, very hard to watch. Uh, this that is the exact aesthetic of this. Okay. Did you see Jughead? Did we meet him up once we got here? And they're like, oh, let's go make it in the woods. They go into the woods. When to go have sex. When's the last time we made it in the woods? Gross. We did, no one talks like this. Mm-hmm. So we see Jughead. He comes into the party and he takes off his beanie and puts on the bunny mask. And then he goes and walks right over to Brett, who is dressed like Julius Caesar. And Brett knows it's Jughead. Jughead doesn't say anything. And he's like, okay, fine. Let's go finish this. Let's go into the woods. So they go into the woods. In slow motion. And it's very slow-mo. And we see Betty walk in as they're going into the woods. And as Jughead is following Brett, he takes off the bunny mask and he puts his beanie on. And then we kind of see him turn his head and then he keeps following Brett. Then we see Donna at the party walk off. We see Betty see her and then she follows Donna into this clearing. Donna, oh good, you made it. Yeah, I know Jughead didn't speak up at the tribunal because Brett's blackmailing him, but I don't care what you do to me. So what? You have a tape of me and Jughead? I'm the daughter of the Black Hood. and It's going to take a lot more than that to get me and Jughead off your case. I promise you, we are going to find out and expose all of your dirty secrets up to and including Chipping's murder. Do you have anything to say about that? Actually, I do. You see, I've been doing a little investigating of my own. I found out some fascinating things about you, Betty. I even took a field trip to Shankshaw Prison to see your old friend Evelyn Evernever. Nice. I love this. I fucking love this so much. Also, pretty sure she didn't see Evelyn. No, I'm fairly certain that she's never met Evelyn. She's never been to Shawshank. I think these children have met one Charles Smith. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know what Evelyn told me? The magic word, to which Betty gets very smug. Oh, you mean tangerine repeated three times? Yeah, no, you're a little late that party, Donna. Tangerine doesn't work on me anymore. No, she told me the other magic word. Uh-oh, this is new information. Uh-huh. One that makes you go fugue and hurt the people you love. You want to hear it? Okay. So then we cut over to Veronica and Archie, and they come back from having sex in the wood. And they're into the party. And so they see Joan and Jonathan. Like, hey, have you guys seen Betty and Jughead? And they're like, oh, I think they went that way into the clearing into those trees. And they're like, okay, thanks. And as Veronica and Archie move out of the frame, we see Brett and Donna join Joan and Jonathan. And we see Archie and Veronica head into the woods. And then we see them find Betty standing in the woods. Oh, my God, Betty, what happened? Jug, is he breathing? It started out like any other week. There's no pulse. Who would have guessed that by Friday night, he's dead. What did you do, Betty? Riverdale. And so we have finally met up with the main action of our flash forwards, which is very interesting. I don't really care about how we got here. Uh Uh-huh. It's pretty dumb. True. But what is exciting about this is seeing it now. How does it all work out together? 
Yeah. Like, how are we going to resolve this? So, two things. Uh-huh. The fugue. Yep. Pretty sure that the fugue just makes Betty black out. Yeah. So, my belief is that the, the fugue is that she blacks out or she goes, like, catatonic. So, she doesn't she doesn't know what... She, she has no recollection. So, I don't think Betty killed Jughead. I think... I also don't think Jughead's actually dead. Yeah. That's the other side of this. And why he talks about, like... If do you trust me, I have to get rid of the leverage. Yeah. So does that mean he has to die to get rid of the leverage that's on him and get out from under this contract? Yeah. Well, I think Jughead is faking his own death. He knows that they're going to make Betty think she killed Jughead. But how does he know that? I don't know. I don't piece that part together, but <laughs> they their whole thing is that they're gonna they're framing Betty for it, and then because again the one line that keeps sticking with me is Betty saying he hasn't come back, and I don't know when he's coming back, and I can't do this alone, and I know that that's a Barchi fake out, mm-hmm. but to me the way she delivers that line mm-hmm. is that she has come to the realization that he is not dead, he is out there, but he hasn't come back yet. And I don't know how much longer I can deal trying to hide this. Hmm. So I don't, I don't know. I just, part of me is like, I wish we had already gotten here a while ago so we could start answering some of these questions. Well, the thing is that now that we've actually, like, we've gotten here, that was episode 13. So we don't have too much longer to go this season. We've got, we've got right now, the season schedule is really weird. So it looks like we're going to have like two more episodes and then like four weeks off and then two episodes and then two weeks off. And then it's it's really bizarre. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. It makes no sense right now. But now I got to I got to think a little bit. How are they going to get rid of FP? Because they can't kill another adult. So I feel like FP is going to end up in jail. And that's how they're going to write FP out. Because they can't just kill him off. We can't kill another grown up. If we're killing Hermione, which I'm all for, we can't kill another dude. We can't kill another dad. <laughs> I mean, we could, though. But we shouldn't. Sacrificial dad, maybe. No. Eh. No. No, we can't kill another hot dad of Riverdale. Well, you know what we got to do? What? We got to watch next week's preview, don't we? Yep. All right. So, Brett blaming Betty. So that means Betty definitely didn't kill Jughead. <laughs> Accusations. Accusations are afoot. Jacques. Jacques. They've gotten better with their trailers and that they give away nothing. Yeah. So I appreciate that. I would almost just be like, I don't care. You don't even need to show me. Can you just like write it out and have somebody do like a two hour presentation on what your plan is? <laughs> RAS, can you give me a PowerPoint presentation? So with the announcement that Skeet is leaving, everyone's like, what What was in that letter that he was going to give Alice at the play? And RAS tweeted out a picture of him holding that letter from that episode being like, all will be revealed. And I retweeted it and said, spoiler alert, it won't. Because <laughs> RAS is full of shit. <laughs> Sorry. I have no respect for that man. I've lost all respect for him. Yeah. And rightfully so. Yeah. It just... That is the thing that 
I think I blanched at this episode. It was like, mm-hmm. I wanted to be excited about where we got at the end, mm-hmm. but everything felt so contrived to get there. I don't think it was as contrived as you think it is. It is contrived, but it's not that bad. Yeah. It's it's really not that bad. Just if we could cut the rest of the filler out. Yeah. It would yeah. make me a lot happier. Yeah. But I mean, I'm enjoying the mystery of what's going on. I agree. I, I, I want to know the mystery. That's what that's what's keeping me hooked in at yeah. least a little bit. Yeah, I'm I'm enjoying the mystery because oh. we haven't had any of that since season one. Nope, we didn't have it in season two. In season three, like there was some of it, and we had some fun, but it it just went on way too long. All right, well until next time, hashtag Go Bulldogs. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.